Okay, if you would take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, and you follow along as I read. First John chapter 2, beginning at verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you had heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. The title of the message this morning is... The new light of an old commandment. The new light of an old commandment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity to open your precious word. We thank you for the promise that you've promised to preserve your word down through the ages of time. That we can have assurance and confidence that we have the very words of God. And we have your word preserved for us in our own language. We can read and study. Uh, translated out of the original languages, a faithful translation. And we thank you for that truth. And we pray that as we look into the Word of God that we'd realize that these are the words of God, that we'd give heed to your Word this morning, that you would be glorified, Christ would be exalted, we'd be drawn to him. And we pray that you have your will and way. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> This commandment, of course, we're talking about is one that Jesus gave his disciples, that we are to love one another. But the fact that we should love one another is not necessarily a new thing. That is, it's not something that never heard of before. After all, it was commanded in the Old Testament. If you look in Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 19, and verses 18... And also verse 34, Leviticus 19, verse 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Then verse 34, But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. Thou shalt love him as thyself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this is not a new thing, really. But the true implications, I believe, of this command were not fully understood or grasped then. However, with the revealing of God to us, that is, of course, through the Son of God, we've been given new light, you might say, concerning this new commandment, as it's stated here, that was given to Jesus gave to his disciples in John chapter 13, where he says, The new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. Of course, it was expanded upon in Matthew chapter 5. 
verses 43 to 48. You've heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. And verse 48 says that you may be like your father, which is in heaven. See, this is really an old commandment with some new enlightenment to it. So this is the this is this is the command called one of the, we we looked at this a little bit last week about the great commandment. This is a command to love one another. If you notice in verses nine through eleven, he says, "He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes." So this is the command that if we are in the light, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, John 1 tells us that, that he, he is light. He is the light of life. John 1, 9 says that, that, that uh, uh, he came, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So if we walk in the light, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. So if we walk in the light of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will love one another. The word loveth here in verse 10 says to be of full of goodwill and exhibit the same. To have preference for, wish well to, regard the welfare of. It's used often in this, uh, in this first John of the love of Christians toward one another and of the love of which God hath in providing salvation for men. Uh, and exhibited that by sending his own son and giving him up uh, unto death for our sin. You know, it's also described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verses 1 through 13. Paul, the apostle, there gives a lengthy description of, and he uses the word charity, which is, a, is the uh, word agape in Greek, the strongest word for love. It's a biblical love, a godly love. And, and, he, and he talks about, uh, uh, in verses 1 through 3, the, the, that love is preferred over other great qualities of life. Uh, verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sangling brass or tinkling cymbal. I can be a great orator and sway the masses of the crowds with, and, and manipulate them with my words. But if I don't have charity, he says, I'm sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove my mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. You can be the most benevolent person, a great philanthropist, and you can give your body to be burned, sacrifice your own life. But if you have not charity, profit you nothing. Profit's nothing. See, love is the preferred quality of life. It takes precedence over all others. In fact, it makes those good qualities effective or, or makes them work uh, for the Lord. Galatians 5 and verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Love makes these things work. Or affect it. And so, so these are the things. Uh, he talks about the properties of love in verses 4 
uh, on, on down, uh, where he says, charity suffereth long and is kind. So it is patient, it, it's enduring, uh, it's bearing offenses and so on, slow to anger and so on. Uh, it's kind, it shows oneself minds, it speaks of the acts of good. Uh, uh, you know, kindness is giving your enemy food and drink. That's what kindness is. And this was really a new thing, a new light with the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about it in Romans chapter 12. Charity envieth not. Uh, it, it, it's not envious or jealous or over, over the, the, the blessings or the, the uh, uh, promotion of others. Uh, charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't seek to self, self, uh, uh, puff its own self up or brag, boast of its own uh, 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 gifts. Uh, it, it is not puffed up. It is not unseemly. It doesn't behave in ways that it, that you know it, it's it's a, 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 that opens you up to strong disapproval. You know it, it is courtesy, uh, gentleness. You know a gentleman, a gentleman. You know there's no prize for harshness or toughness. That's the man of the world. You know, a tough man. He never sheds tears. He never stills his emotions. You know, he's in control of himself. Is he? No, maybe uncaring or lacks love and compassion. You know, Moses was a mighty man in word and deed, the Bible says. Yet the Bible says he was the meekest man on earth. He was gentle, a gracious disposition. Uh, love, charity seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. It prefers others over themselves. It's not easily provoked, irritated, or aroused to anger. It thinketh no evil. It doesn't reckon or suppose evil or suspicious of, of, of others. Uh, it credits those with the, others with the best of motives and understanding attitude. It doesn't jump to conclusions. And rejoiceth not in iniquity. You know, it doesn't, it, love has no joy in sin. No joy in sin. Or make light of sin. Bible says in Psalm 97, verse 10, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of the saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. And sometimes people say, well, he's such a nice guy. Does he hate sin? Does he have Bible-based convictions? They're all based on feelings and actions of others. You know, love has no joy in sin. Has no joy in sin. And so this is, this is, the, this is the characteristics of this commandment of uh, of love that we speak of in the Bible, love one another. And this love is, secondly, an old commandment. Notice again verse 7. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. That old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Now we read there in Leviticus 19, verse 18 and verse 34. And, and of course, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus is talking about, what was written before, or how it was taken, what was written. And Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48, he says, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now, did God say that, or is that how they interpreted it? Well, according to Leviticus chapter 19, that is not what God said. And if you read this passage carefully, he's de de defining for us what the Father is actually like. 
See, he says, ye have heard that it hath been said. He didn't say this is what God said. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So yes, God does love his enemies. In fact, Christ died for his enemies. He died for his enemies. So this is really an old commandment that we ought to love one another. Now, the problem that people have today is, is if you don't approve of something in their life, they think you don't love them. That's woke culture. You know. If you don't approve of something, then they think you hate them. You hate them. You know, there's a lot of things God doesn't approve of. There's things in my life he doesn't approve of. He doesn't hate me. There's things in your life that he doesn't approve of, but he doesn't hate you. There's things in people out there in the world, there's things in their lives that God hates, but he doesn't hate them. He doesn't hate them. After all, he is a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so there was a, you know, there was a misunderstanding, I believe, of the law as it's originally given, and Jesus is clarifying it for us in the New Testament. And, of course, this is part of rightly interpreting the law of God. However, the law was weak. You know, the problem with the law is not the law. And the problem with love and God's love for us is not God's love for us, it's us. It's us. And the problem with the law is not God's law, it's us. It's the flesh. It is, it, it, you know, Romans describes it in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, that um, the law was weak through the flesh. Weak through the flesh. And what that means is the law was good and righteous and holy, but it was rigid. And the flesh could not keep the law. Because of the weakness of the flesh. Verse 3, Romans 8, 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be filled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So the law was weak through the flesh. The flesh couldn't keep it. Therefore, the law could not save us, but only condemned us. But Christ being strong in the flesh, being holy, being sanctified, being completely set apart from sin, fulfilled the law in our place so that we might be made righteous in Him. You remember, you know, so, so because it, you know, the law governed the outward man without an inward transformation to make it effect, effective. In uh, Exodus chapter 19, verses 7 and 8, you remember the, you know, when, law, when the Lord appeared to the children of Israel and, 
And it says there, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded them. And the people answered together and said, All the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned to the Lord's words of the, Lord, of the people unto the Lord. Say, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then, reality set in. Reality set in. The true implications of this command were not grasped by them. They didn't understand. When, when God gave the law, they said, oh, all, all the Lord has said, we will do. Oh, yeah, we'll love God with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind. We'll love our neighbors at ourselves. We'll do all that. But then life started to happen. Real life started to happen. Tests. Trials. They faced oppositions. And all of a sudden they realized, we can't do this. We can't do this because of the weakness of our flesh. You been there? If you haven't been there, you don't really know yourself. Because we're all weak through the flesh. We can't keep God's law. You know, the law were commands basically of what not to do. You know, thou shalt, you know, and these were very helpful, sort of like a code of conduct, you might say. You know, thou shalt not worship any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness, and so on and so so forth. Thou shalt not. It was written on cold, hard tables of stone. that were unbending and unchanging. And the law simply condemns. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Galatians 3 and verse 10. Paul, writing to the churches of Galatia, he says this, For as many as are under the works of the law, are of the works of the law, are under the curse. For it is written, Curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the books of the law to do them. That no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Curses every one that hangeth on a tree. See, the law condemns us. Oh, God gave the commandment a long time ago. You'll love your neighbor. You'll love your neighbor. You'll love your strangers. It's an old commandment. But the law condemned them. So it is an old commandment. But let's consider the new commandment. Really is a reiteration of the old, but with some new implications and we might say some aids. Now, not hearing aids, not the aids you get, the disease, no. Helpful aids. Look, if you will, verse 8. Again. And that word again means that is further, moreover, where the subject remains the same and a repetition of action or condition is indicated. So he's okay, so we're so we're now we're we're talking about it again. We're gonna we're gonna continue the same subject, this commandment. But he calls it a new. 
New means it's renewed. Uh, Again, verse 8, A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light is now shining. So this is like saying, let's revisit the subject of love as God commands from a different point of view. So like how he's saying it. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, the Bible says this, For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. That's key. Shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith face of Jesus Christ. Look at look also at 2 Corinthians 3 and let's go back there. 2 Corinthians 3, I'm going to look at several verses here. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 3 says for as much are you manif- you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink. In other words, these commands are not written on tables of stone, they're not written on parchment or paper. Where are they written? But with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In the Old Testament, they, were, they had these commandments. They were written on stone. They weren't written in their heart. They were to hide them in their hearts, but they didn't do that. No, He has shined in our hearts, the Bible says. Chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He shined in our hearts. Shined in our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, these are new things. These are new things concerning this commandment of the love of God. God shined in our hearts, and He's done that by the Holy Spirit. He's an aid He's a helper, and He shines in our hearts. In fact, John describes it here in 1 John as unction or the anointing. Look at chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. That word unction means aid of the Holy Spirit. Again in verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. See, the Old Testament saints didn't know anything about that. The Spirit of God did not abide in them. They didn't have this this love of God or this light of God shining in their hearts like we have today. And so he says in verse 8 of John, 1 John 2, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. Now, when he says the darkness is past, then the true light now shineth. Of course, the true light is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we read there in John chapter 1 and verse 9, 
where it says, speaking of John the Baptist, verse 8, it says, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which shineth, lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is the true light. And John eight twelve, he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then again in John chapter 12, verse 45 and 46, Jesus said, I, and he that sent me, or he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. The word light is a, is a term that's used to denote truth and its knowledge, together with spiritual purity or, or, and how we appropriate with it. For example, in John chapter 3, verse 18, John chapter 3 and verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because... He hath not believed on the name of, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light, here's that word light, is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So the, so the difference, you know, the word lie here, you know, is, is truth and knowledge, but it must be received, it must be appropriated. So God is revealing the light and truth through the Son, Jesus Christ, and those who will come to the light, receive the light, receive the truth. And they receive of the love of God in their hearts. We call it the new birth. You know, God is no longer, God is no longer revealing His love, His redemption, the person of His redemption with pictures, types, shadows. And what I mean by that is lambs, goats, offerings, you know, uh, a mercy seat. And in a, in a tabernacle in a temple, he no longer, he's no longer revealing it that way. He's revealing it in a person. He's called the light of the world. But we have to receive him. It's, it's, it's a revelation of God himself through a son, the light of the world. And so he says the darkness has passed. In other words, we don't have to be in darkness anymore. God is revealing himself very clearly to us. The word darkness has the idea of ignorance. To be ignorant of divine things. It speaks of dimness or obscurity. And, and again, however, this light of truth can only be given to us when it is received by us. But it is here. It has been revealed. It is word. Through the person of Christ himself. It is among us. It is made, being made known to you right now. Through the preaching of his word. You know, this is what Paul told those at Athens. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 22. It says, Then puts, Paul stood in the midst of Mars hills and said, 
You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. No, you're still in darkness. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So they were ignorant. They were in darkness. They're ignorant of true worship. They are, they are worshiping. They are, they are religious. They are devoted, but they're ignorant. They're in darkness. And he starts out with God that made the world. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, hath determined if times before appointed the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, be found and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. In other words, we are his creation. For as much then are we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God has like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art or man's devices. And the times of this ignorance, this darkness that you're in, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because... He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You see, God has revealed himself to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, and the times of ignorance God winked at, but no more. Because he's made known. God has made known. You know, Jesus is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. He didn't say, I am the, he is the light that lights all those that are saved. It says he's the light that lighteth every man. Every man has light. Every man has light. You know, Romans 1 tells us that every man has the light of creation. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as the eternal power of God has, so that they are without excuse. Every man has the light of conscience. Romans 2.14 says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do not nature the things contain the law, these having not the law are law in themselves. An old preacher used to say, you know, nobody tie, uh, steals his neighbor's cow and ties it in the front lawn. Why? Because conscience tells him stealing is wrong. Verse 15 of Romans 2 says, Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And so, you know, every man has light. And Jesus is the light of the world. And, and God has revealed himself through Christ, the light of the world. And so, you know, every man has this light. If they will receive the light, God will give them more light. That's the principle taught in Scripture. You know, if one hears the gospel, reads the Bible, listens to the preaching of God's word, and is a family where the love of God is demonstrated by lives, and cannot see the love of God, they are willfully blind by the rebellion of their own selfish and hard heart. 
and in danger of the wrath of God in hell for eternity. Because the light of the world has come. He's revealed himself. He's revealed himself. This is a new commandment. He says this is, this is a renewal of the old commandment. Because the darkness has passed. You know, the times of this ignorance, God winked at. You know, he kind of overlooked. In a sense, the rebellion of the Old Testament saints and their ignorance. <clears throat> but we have the light of life. We have been, God has revealed himself to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, isn't it interesting that people that say they don't believe in God will often use Jesus' name as a curse word? Why do they use his name as a curse word if they don't believe in him? See, the reality is, every man believes in God. They just try to teach themselves that there is not one. Because the spirit of man cries out to them, worship God. And there's a spirit in every man, in every woman. The image, you know, Paul said, you know, why? He asked the, he asked the, uh, there in Acts chapter 17, if you notice, one of the things he said was um, uh, in verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, or stone graven by art or man's devices. If we are the offspring, if we are the creation of God, then we shouldn't think, that God is some inanimate object that we bow down to that has no life. After all, who gave us life? Who gave us understanding? You know, can a stone give life? Can a silver or gold give life? Does it have understanding? Can it reason? Can it love? You see, the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. And this is the command that he has given us. And he says, he that saith he is in the light, if we are in Christ, and hate if his brother is in darkness, even unto now. Now, there are some in the ministry who speak hateful stuff about some kinds of people. Condemn them to say they're just condemned to hell, wish they were all killed, and that kind of stuff. Those are people made in the image of God that Christ died for. You know, David Sorensen said in his commentary of understanding the Bible, quote, at the very least, one who continually hates another is walking in spiritual darkness. 
and is in violation of Christ's clear command. Even worse, he may not even be saved. Hatred is in direct violation of our Lord's command to love one another. Moreover, to walk in such darkness blinds one even further to the truth. Hatred is a spiritual cancer which blinds and will destroy one spiritually. Unquote. And so, we are commanded. You know, this is not, again, this is not a new commandment. After all, God is love. We're going to see that in 1 John chapter 4. God is love. Now, we're talking about the eternal God that does not change. So, to love one another is not really something new to God. It may have been new to the disciples. It may be new to us. And there are some new things that we begin, some new aids to help us. You know, he's, he's written it in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You know, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, Romans 5, 5 says. And so we have a, a helper, one who comes alongside and bears witness that we are the sons of God, that we are to love even our enemies. Verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling with him. But he that hateth his brothers in darkness and walketh in darkness, and because knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Are you walking in the light of Christ and thereby demonstrating his love to those around you? Whoever they are even if they're your enemy, even if they hate you. You know, the world says, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies. You know, that takes, that takes a power, my way of thinking, I'm just speaking for myself, but I think I'm probably speaking for a lot of you, for all of you as well. That takes a power that's not really natural to me. It's not of my nature. But see, we have the Spirit of God. If we are saved, if we're abiding in the light, we have the Spirit of God to help us to love one another. So, so are you walking in the light of Christ and demonstrating his love to others? You know, are you in him who is light? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you received of the gift of love of God to you? 